Cranking it out in 2022. Welcome everybody to another fantastic off the lip radio show. 690. And if you're watching, we're just as amazed as you are that we're still here. And uh, thank you for tuning in every week because I I get messages from people. I know you do too. That uh, a lot of you enjoy what we do, so it's kind of a fresh we enjoy what we do. reminder. Of course, we enjoy it, but once in a while, somebody watches and you send a message. Thank you, uh, Tyler Fox, Santa Cruz Waves. If you're watching on Santa Cruz Waves, welcome back. Okay, I'm gonna take it from here. Take it from here. I'm taking it. I just want to check this thing out. No, bring it on. Bring it on. Bring, huh? This, bring it on. This is the best poem we've had on the show. It's red. <laughs> Right? Which is very sexy. <laughs> it's so sexy. It's Augusta. Oh, it's Italian. That's that just if it's Italian and red, it's fucking sexy. Is Augusta <laughs> Italian for porn? It possibly could be. Augusta. Augusta. Possibly, we don't know. We'll it find out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know what? It's in the movie The Godfather. Uh, Augusta. I somewhere it must be. Did right? Miss that? Gotta line? be. It huh? to, we'll find out. So, the gentleman who's our guest tonight, Mr. Yuri Barrigan. Is one of my favorite. I must just say, he's one of my favorite guests, top five guests that we, that for me anyway, personally. Mm -hmm. That we ha he's, this is like his third time on the show. By the way, he's wearing a sports coat. It looks beautiful. Which <laughs> yeah. is a first. Fantastic. Yeah. I think the only person the spot for it. Yeah. The only person who wore a coat was maybe Bruce McPherson, maybe. Well, I don't know. The difference being is one is a older uh, politician. Right. One is a motorcycle motorcycle race. maniac. <laughs> right. And so two different people. I won't call him a maniac. He's, he's very, I think he's very, he's everything's like, he has a plan with Yuri. I mean, everything has a plan. A very uh, unthought out plan. Plan. <laughs> so TC, here's what the deal. Uh, I know Yuri went to the Isle of Man. I knew he came back because I follow him on Facebook, so mm -hmm. he's still alive. Survived. Survived, mm -hmm. right, which is, which is the thing. And I go, you, you know, Yuri, as soon as he finishes race, I'm like, dude, you're going to come on the show. And he always says yes. But I knew you would love it. So of I course. kept it a secret from you. I go, TC, I got this guest. This guest is this top secret, <laughs> but you are going to love it. Okay. And I knew it from the first minute he walked. The first minute you walked, he walked in, pulls up with the bike, takes his helmet off, comes inside. I go, you. Okay, so first off, you that's the only time you've kept a guest secret. Right. And I didn't I, you I, did. Yeah, you were I like, did. nope. And then, nope. then I begged you to tell me. <laughs> and you sent a picture of a guy doing a wheel stand on a racing motorcycle. And I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. Yeah. Now, the Augusta is not your race bike, though. Nope. This nope. is just your personal space traveler. That's just um, one of a few that I have uh, stashed away that I come and, and uh, come over to the show on. So, uh, to our listeners... This bike is called an Augusta. That's the company that built this bike, right? M MV Augusta is M the name of the company. Italian? Yeah. They are an Italian company, yeah. Um, yeah. So just so because the, the, it's, it's beautiful, they could see it. Mm -hmm. What is this thing? I've never heard of this brand before. Okay, so MV is a um, low numbers factory that is based in Italy that um, does... Um, more high-end type motorcycle um, technology that uh, they market to um, all corners of the world. So they tend to make things that are more cutting edge aesthetically. So they their company tends to have more freedom in how they design or what's referred to as pen. So when they pen a design, they 
focus on um, more art form along with performance, and that's what they've been renowned for. Is that like a concept car? Is that kind of the idea with a motorcycle? It, it? It's one step beyond a concept, meaning that they pen a concept, but then they actually put it into production. production. It's right. not just a mm -hmm. one-off. Right. Yeah. Okay, so th it's rare. You don't see a lot of these. That's what I'm saying. We'll we'll get to that. Yeah. Right. No, no. It's it's um like uh, yeah, right. It's Lewis Hamilton's like daily driver or something. But I get it. But um what's weird is that I'm I I like these things. Uh-huh. And I uh -huh. I'm not familiar with it. I see. Um so a couple hundred of these in the world? No, there's somewhere between they don't know the the exact number count for the production line. Somewhere between 310 and 320 were actually produced, and 150 of them were imported to the United States. So there's 300 million people here. Uh, so not roughly. So, yeah, roughly. not a lot of people have these. They're no. they're they're kind of rare. They you don't really see them on the lists for sale. Um, you know, I was just fortunate to sort of stumble onto it. Wow. Okay. Well, that's yeah. amazing. Let's let's talk about your racing because oh, this okay. is your daily but, but driver, right? Yeah, but I, first, I think what do you? First started racing Isle of Man, right? Well, the right. Isle, let's talk about the Isle of Man. The Isle of Man right. is a rock between England and Ireland. Is there soccer there? No. It's basically just a rock. Like the, It's just like the size of Capitola. It's a, a bit, little bit bigger, maybe. It's an island, and it's, it's situated between England and Ireland in right. the Irish Sea. And it's about uh, 32 miles in length and about 14 miles in width. Okay. And... Wow. It's held races there, motorcycle races, since I think 1907. Right. So they've held um, motorcycle competitions on the public streets there uh, starting in 1907. And that was the world famous um, TT is what that event started its life as. And TT being, what could that mean? Uh, tourist trophy. Okay. And it was actually began to be part of the world championship series in the premier class. So big name people had to race there along with the short circuit races of Europe. It was part of the circuit. Yeah. Um, they and back then, 1907, wasn't easy, it wasn't even now, it's not even easy to get to. So back then, it must have been very difficult to get to. And, and what they were racing too. I mean, it was very like very, very primitive very stuff. Yeah, well, I in the beginning. So it was its its own standalone race. It morphed into being part of the world championship in later years. That's what ended up happening. Um, the TT is an event that happens every year, except for the two years that we've been through pandemic. Right. It um, they stopped it and they stopped it earlier for what was called foot and mouth disease. Right. It Did was on hiatus then too. Okay. So. What ended up happening, though, is in 1923, they had um, some issues with having the TT as a professional race, and more amateur people wanted to come and challenge themselves around the course. So in 1923, they did a spin-off event called the Manx Grand Prix, and that was for non-professionals to come Amateurs. and race the mm. circuit. Yeah. Right. And that was in 1923. As you know, we're in 2022. So that would make it 99 years old, right. the Manx Grand Prix. Right. Next year will be its 100th anniversary. Wow. So that's a place where 
like I said, amateur people can come, establish. Are you talking about amateur people? Anybody can just roll up. Oh, you have to no, quali- you have to qualify, yeah, no. right? You have to have a racing background. Actually, you have to go through an application process. Okay. But why the man the Manx Grand Prix is in place is it's a place where people who have not had experience on the mountain course to come and try and qualify and get experience in established times so they can possibly make the jump to the TT, okay. which happens in June every year and is considered the professional event. Right. And can we just talk about the course? Because you say it's a well, mountain I'm a, course. I'm going to go back out from the course for a second. Okay. Go back out from the course for a second. Is that this is what, what I found fascinating. Was that Isle of Man, like, sh- the people live there. Right, shops, or shops, and banks, and God, and just normal life. But they shut it down, right? Every what time they sh- what time in the evening do they shut it down so that people can the streets are closed and now you can go race. The Isle of Man is a functioning, working island with working people from financial to trades people, and uh, everyone in between. And what happens is is that during these two events. The island residents are so keyed in to motorcycle racing and having this event as part of their heritage that the local radio stations broadcast times and schedule of when the island will actually shut down and practice or a race will commence. And everyone has their radios either tuned to that or they are listening to broadcasts from what's referred to as the grandstand or paddock area that let everyone know yeah. when things shut down. Okay, get your question now, TC. Well, and is that like don't walk out into the street and get your newspaper type stuff? Like, <laughs> you know, it's it, are they literally like, are you racing by people's houses? So it is extremely illegal to cross the course when the roads are closed. Wow. So they give everyone warning at say say there's going to be a practice at quarter to one they begin the process at about 11 o'clock making announcements so they have this system which we would call a loudspeaker but over there they call it a tannoy tannoy yeah so Mm -hmm. it's just a giant loudspeaker and it says people parked at the grandstand meaning up on the public road hundreds of motorcycles will gather there because they're participating in the festivities Mm -hmm. They will say, there is one hour to roads close. Please move your vehicles. We'll start with one call. Please go to your preferred viewing spots now because people have to get out on the roads, get to their viewing spots so they can watch either Uh the practice or the race. They go through like three rounds of announcing that. At the end of the third round, if vehicles are not moved, they start towing things. Wow. (laughs) Just like that. A hazard. For the, I mean, they you have defi- to clear it. They definitely do not want vehicles anywhere near the inner part of the road. And the, s- the street, there's no barricades put up, right? The streets are as per daily life. Is that correct? So what's very strange about that is that the roads are very versatile. So, yes, you will have people's property lines that have walls, wrought iron fences, etc. But the <laughs> public works department that controls what's in the middle of the street the islands and roundabouts that you would see mm-hmm. during daily life, those are actually removable. Mm. And the public works gets underneath them with bars, brings them up off the surface, trucks them out to a facility off course. 
and then the road becomes its full width with no smooth underneath those it's smooth road tarmac underneath those things so things that that um, maybe contain us a, uh, uh, a directional sign or something of that nature they're removable to a certain extent a lot of um, Obviously, all the light posts along the side remain in place. Some will have a cushion around it or a hay bale. <laughs> um, How fast are you going? What's your What's your speed? You think it, it averages? Can, it can vary. It can vary. There is a qualifying speed, but from very skilled drivers on large capacity motorcycles to very skilled riders on small capacity motorcycles, it's still what we would consider very dangerous speeds. Being like what? 150 miles an hour? Some some bikes will go anywhere from 130 to 178, 80 miles an hour. Do hay bales help at that speed? Um, Is that does that make a difference? You know, it's 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 a hay bale around a light post. It's sort of, you know, <laughs> yeah. they're the people that operate this event. Um, try to do things as best they can as far as safety goes. Well, earlier tonight, Neil and I are like... Well, you, t you suggested I it. suggested, let's check out how dangerous this Isle of Man's race is. Mm -hmm. And we looked it up, and it actually is the most dangerous race on the planet. Did you... Was there... Are you crazy? That who, who wakes up and says... I think I want to race in the craziest race. I think he already thinks about that. But the, is it that bad? First off, you race in this race. On paper and on Google, it says it's this crazy, dangerous race. Is it that dangerous out of the helmet that you look through, the visor? Well, I think what's important to know is that the people that this race um, attracts have a mutual understanding with the, with the history of the race and the people that provide this venue for them to come and compete on, they have an understanding that the race has a very dangerous aspect, but that they would like to come and test their limits around the course so it's something that people understand is a risky um, endeavor but they accept that risk and each rider is tasked with knowing that they accept that risk and the the teams and people and family around them also accept that that this is what the rider wants to do and come to I get it. Can I ask yeah. about Can I ask about the, the competition itself? It's done by times, correct? You're not out there in a group racing, trying to beat each other. That's right. It's done by you're not you're out there solo, and you're trying to get a be the better time than the person behind you or p or in front of right. you. Right. It is technically a time trial, but you are always trying to find that person in front of you and pass them. Because you catch up to them, right? You, you can, can. You can. Uh, riders are set off in a race situation at 10 seconds apart. Mm -hmm. It's a time trial, so it's aggregate time over the whole course, over a whole race. And there's always an aspect of competition on the roads, but it is not a mass start right? like other races. Right. Well, in my experience with racing is, 
some of my best mistakes have been passing lappers. I mean, is that like when you come up on somebody on the road and you're hauling ass and you're like, crap, I got to pass them. Is that is that tough in this race? It's a narrow road, right? Right. So there there's um, a lot of understanding between the organizers and the people on the road that you want to be as safe as possible. So passing on the brakes can happen but it's a more risky operation. They try and ask that the racers be smart about how you go about passing. If you are quicker than someone on the road, you will find a way through. And it's sort of an unwritten rule that no one is going to be dangerous or... Um, Touch. Yes, there's always going to be things that happen in motorsports. That's a given, but it's sort of a different type of understanding at this particular event that um, it's the job of the person doing the passing to make sure that that's a safe and um, well-executed pass while can, out on can, the road. Can I interject, TC? Yeah. Uh, TC, I, I, you... Uh, been to see you racing many, many times. I love it coming out there, right? It's so but fun. I, know I love you, racing. You love it. Yeah. You love it. You love it. But you, 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 you know, your truck, your your car's worked on here. Right. Put it in the trailer and you take it to Watsonville. Mm -hmm. Right. He, when I remember I first met you, I was astounded at the fact that you were on your own and you had that motocross type motorcycle that you first started. Right. I think I was the first person I interviewed you. But to get to the Isle of Man, even without a motorcycle. Yeah. To get the Isle of Man even without a motorcycle is a mm -hmm. royal pain in the ass. God save the Queen. It's a royal pain in the ass. It's a it's a trek. Yeah. And now getting there to do a race with all your equipment, your motorcycle, all your shit, mm -hmm. get there and get there on time right. and the stress around it. Right. Because you don't know where your shit's gonna arrive. Yeah. Like anything, anytime you trans anytime you we go on a trip nowadays, you lose your surfboard, you lose your bag. For sure. But it's a it's a feat in itself just to even get there. Yeah. And have your motorcycle underneath you, you know, or whatever right. you're riding, just just to get I mean, that that is that is a. Uh, How does that happen? Does that work? It's uh. Have, has it's it ever not been there? It's a full on. Um, not only is it a heavy commitment, but every every time. It's a heavy commitment from one guy yeah. in Santa Cruz, in California. Right. You're, doing, you're not getting any help. Right. You're doing this all on your own, and, I, and that I've always found that to be, uh, you know, incredibly dedicated to your sport yeah yeah on this side of of the task meaning in california i do have to do everything alone and arrange everything i've been super fortunate that when i get over there that i've had people come on board and and help me with 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 the the business that has to happen over there and i've been fortunate to find really great people over the years but this side of it and getting everything to line up it's one of those things where if one thing falls through whether that be a certification or a piece of paperwork or even the local racing that has to happen here if something happens and one of those pieces of the puzzle falls out the whole endeavor is scrapped right give me a local give me a local give me a local pub owner that's helped you out a local pub owner. <laughs> I, know, I know somebody local that's like, Give me, let me show you the way. Let me show you the way, boy. On this side or on that on side? On that side, with the Isle of Man. Um, so the Ascot Hotel, which is a really well-known hotel on that side, 
they've helped me out. The Welbeck Hotel, the, the enthusiasm over there for this, it's a lifestyle over there. So the people that live over there live and breathe this. Is it their like biggest event? Is there something bigger that happens there? No, 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 no. This, is, this is the this biggest thing, this right? Is, this is what the they yeah, do. Right. This is what they do. Um, are you a rock star when you show up? Are you? I mean, is no, there groupies? No, no. Do you have girls? I, are you, you batting them with I, sticks and stuff? No, I'm just, no? I'm just a, a, a guy operating over there, trying to hit all my marks so that, you know, there's there's very little you can control other than trying to stay healthy throughout the event, keeping the bike healthy, and then the things that are out of your control are the weather. Right. So you're just trying to constantly improve on the course and get better and better at learning because there's the course is so large and there's so many turns to learn. Um, you never, you never, you know, you could probably go there for 20, 30 years and not be completely dialed in, you know? There's always a new thing to learn. The race surface, the race surface, very different. I mean, from is it all the same? Does it change? Are you on dirt, the cobblestone? No, it's it's all pavement. Okay. And it's exactly what's outside our window here during this interview. Um, it's it's the same type of surface. So cars going back and forth during the day, and so there's always a chance for um, fluids to come out of the cars. Or sand or something on there's there. There's always debris. There's animals that come on and off the course. <laughs> like a dog runs by in front of you? Plenty, you never know? Plenty of people hit seagulls. Uh, I've seen pictures of peacocks flying across the road. Squirrels. I saw several rabbits while I was on course. Wow. Uh, there's, there's, there's variables to this race. It's not a controlled environment to a maximum degree. So, I don't want to be morbid about the Isle of Man mm -hmm. race, right. but there's been a lot of fatalities, a lot of injuries. Um, you're married. Yeah. Your wife's like, yeah, go give them hell. Is, is, is there, how does that work in your life? Like, I think possibly it's one of the most classified dangerous races on the planet. I think we need to talk to her. We may need to, but yeah. I mean... <laughs> Is there ever times you're like, oh, red flag on the track, and you're like, oh, crap, here we go again? Um, it's, it's one of those things where you're there because you want to be there, and it's a speed contest. So you've kind of prepared yourself mentally to where you have a focus that you've come to do a job and you want to excel and you want to have fun at the same time. So it's one of those things where it's kind of like an unwritten rule that um, you're not going to come into this event focusing on that aspect of the history of the course and what it involves. Yuri, can I ask you, do you love it? I, I, I've grown to love it even more as the time has gone by and this, this year's was like the most enjoyable that I've had so far. This is, how many times have you been out? This, this was the. This is the fifth, fifth, time, fifth time that I've been accepted. Right. Yes. Yeah. I love it. And I this do. year was yeah. a little different because you had. Um, you had a bike. It wasn't your own motorcycle this year. That's you had correct. kind of an arrive and drive. Yeah. And uh, yeah. is that unique to the? Because we're talking about an island in the middle of the ocean, right? Right. Right. So, having, as you say, an arrive and drive situation would be the most ideal that you could have. Meaning that you have a machine already on the island 
and it's prepared well for you and ready to go. I've never had that luxury in the past. I've either prepared my own motorcycles or received motorcycles on the island that were um, ready to go, but a lower performance spec. Right. And that's that's nothing on on the bike that was over there. That's just the situation that I could um, engineer. Mm -hmm. So I've never had what I had this year where I had a top shelf piece of equipment with great people that have um, pretty much the most knowledge of the course mm. um, under their belt. And not only was I fortunate to find that, um, the people that stepped up and offered that to me, I, I, I honestly can't thank them enough. They were phenomenal in their hospitality. Do you go there every year with a goal? Like a goal? You had a goal? I think you had a goal you talked about when you went there with the enduro bike. Mm -hmm. Was it enduro bike? Kind of an enduro. Yes, it was what was right? classified as a supermoto. Yes. Right. And you wouldn't know if you didn't know if you're going to be allowed to race that bike. I think it was, uh, if I remember correctly. Politically, it, it had was, it was a little different. It was a bike. Right? It was like the. It was like. It, it was controversial. It was controversial. Yes. Right. Yes. But they allowed you to run. Allowed you to race. But they since did. The, but since then they changed the rule where you can't race those. Um, yes, they've 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 changed the rule book and it um, it changed some aesthetic requirements of the motorcycle. Meaning that the bars that I was using, the handlebars that were on that bike, were higher in nature, and they don't allow for high bars anymore. Well, mm. what what has been what is what was this year's goal? You had a bike that was right as a TC said, ride and drive. Right. Right. What was your goal this year? Was it was it a time? Was it what was that? The goal this year was to improve in speed and qualify the bike. Because of the nature of the event, they have a week of qualifying, and you need to hit certain goals in order to be in the race. So I always try and break things down one step at a time. So. Qualify. Qualify mm -hmm. the bike first, not think about what am I going to do in the race, this mm -hmm. and that. My problem is, is that even here at home, we do have qualifying for our race weekends. I do terrible in qualifying. Why? I, I don't know what it is. I do terrible in in practice. It doesn't matter qualifying. when you go out. You're, you're, you I, as a person. I can't get in that mindset like on race day. You, it's you're, just you do better at racing. Then qualifying. I will qualify here seventh or eighth on the grid, but when race day comes, that's what I'm all about. Hmm. I'm all about going up front on race day. That's that's just. And what do you race here? So right now I'm racing um, uh, a, um, a non-production motorcycle that's made by a company in Austria. It's a low numbers motorcycle that's specifically produced and designed for road racing. It's not a motorcycle that you buy on a showroom floor and then customize in order to take to the track. So I run in classes which are designated called formula classes, which is basically run what you brung classes, mm. sky's the limit modification. No sky's the limit modification. Mm. Right. So anything goes. Money-wise, anything right. goes. That's kind of how uh, uh, MotoGP is. Yeah, that's prototype yeah, racing. Right, so what yeah. I have is a prototype motorcycle. 
Well, okay. Do, yeah. you, do you have a sponsor? Is some, somebody paying your way? Or are you, is this all from... I, uh, I do this all out of my own pocket. pocket right. Um, I get a lot of gratification from that. Right. You should. Um, I do have people that help me, but there's always a cost to that. Nothing is handed. So is that if that means that I have to work hours for our tire vendor here in town, mm-hmm. I go and I work the hours for them. Kay. Nothing is handed. Nothing for free. free. And I don't expect it. Right. I don't expect it. Top speed you've ever done on a motorcycle is? Um, really not that crazy. Kay. I think a little over 160, yeah. even though I have motorcycles that will go faster. Than Was that in a racing situation? A uh, speed contest situation, okay. yes. Yes. And is there anyone else? I mean, we're from Santa Cruz. Eh, we're looking 60K. Not, not a lot of people. Is mm-hmm. anyone else in this town doing what you do? No, I don't think so. Not that I know of. As I understand it, no one from Santa Cruz has ever um, received an entry to race on the Isle of Man except me. Wow. We're proud of you. I've always been proud of you. Thank yeah, you. Th- that yeah, I mean, Thank that's. You. First off, it's uh, the commitment, mm-hmm. um, years of effort. And um, and attention to detail, and then also saying like, I got to figure out how to get to a, a motorcycle to a rock in the middle of the ocean. Right, that's right. That's pretty wild. There's a ton of logistics involved, and the thing is, is that when it comes to things like um, technical aspects and procedures, obviously, if you're bankrolled, that's really not a problem. But when you work for a living and you're doing this all self-funded, it becomes a hurdle. Well, it's not a get-rich scheme. It's I mean, I, I, I deal with the dirt track. Oh, yeah. The dirt track, no one out there is getting yeah. rich. They're right. they're blowing money faster than anybody right. Right. for fun. Yeah. It's still fun, right, it fun? what yeah. you do? Yeah, is it fun for you? still fun? Uh, I have a blast doing yeah. it. It's, it's super fun, and the thing is, is like, you know, the easiest way to make $20,000 racing is to start out with $120,000. Absolutely. <laughs> you know Ask what my I'm wife. Saying? Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ask my wife. She'll tell you the same thing. Um, how'd it go this year, though? So you, in your class, like, how did you finish this year? How'd it go? So this year was super stressful and super difficult. Um, Why? The machine that I was on was tops. It was, it worked fantastically. The people around me were supportive and really helped me. Our qualifying, it was spectacular in that the weather was so cooperative. I think we had two out of the seven odd nights rain out. Every time I've been to this island, it's been 50% rain. Now, now that's another question I had for you, for, uh, to interject, is that in Formula One, mm-hmm. any other racing sport, they don't run in the rain, like you know, Indy cars. Formula One, they run in the rain. Right. Do you guys run in the rain? So the Isle of Man used to run in the rain. But in the interest of safety, they've scaled that back, and they will not run in the in the rain. Was that after 2005? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Wasn't that the rough year? It was 2005? Bad year? I think they stopped doing rain races in the late 90s. Okay. Um, The greats of the Isle of Man, the people that, the, the men and women that were um, the greatest riders, probably. So women are racing in this as well. Yes, there okay. are there are women competitors. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, the greatest people to ever race on the Isle of Man, they used to have morning practices in pouring rain. 
and they got out there and and did their laps in the pouring. Can you imagine that, TC? Well, what's crazy is, and um, I hope your wife's not watching, but in we earlier you and I looked, and in 2005, 11 people died. Was that what we saw? Like it was a crazy number. Like I mean, the, the, the this this uh, track course has a history of being one of the most dangerous but, tracks. But and, and I don't want to bring it up, but, but it's important for our viewers to know that what you do, you're kind of a stuntman. And a bit. I mean, I know you're modest, but you gonna, are a bit of a stuntman. But if you're going to climb Mount Everest, you, you, there's uh, people who have fallen who have fallen right. and not made it. Yeah. A lot of people make it. A lot yeah. of people. Some people have not made it. That's the same, same, same type of situation. But, but it's, it's, it's pretty wild because... Um, they don't race in the rain anymore. I mean, they have to rope things in. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you do in your racing, I just want our viewers to know, you're at the highest level of uh, of racing. I, I would think. I, I would. I wouldn't say that I'm at the highest level of racing. That's you know, I, as as a motorcyclist, I consider professional road racing at or the world championship or even our domestic pro events I would consider that the highest level of racing that we have here and I'm sure over in the British Isles where they have um, the British Superbike Series that is their highest level of racing I'm an enthusiast and I have no illusions about my age but that being said the Isle of Man has always been a dream of mine and I know that it's a dream of other motorcyclists that are um, really into the motorcycle culture. Right. Yeah. You said it being a dream of it was a dream of yours. Mm-hmm. It was something you dreamt about doing once, and now you're hooked. Mm. Like a lot of us are with different things that we do here. For sure. Right. Well, yeah. with right. surfing or with. Are we going next year? Are we? Go- is this something you hooked and you now? Now I gotta go back. I gotta yeah. go back. I gotta go back. Next year. Well, as you guys know. The past two years have taught us a really valuable lesson where nothing is granted. We've seen things get shut down because of, of the pandemic, and things can go away very quickly. So we have to, instead of looking at things, the Isle of Man used to be one of those things where you set a five-year plan and you want to improve X, Y, Z throughout the years. That's not a given anymore. So each time you go could be the last. Right. Mm. The event could stop. Perceptions around the world around sort of freedoms like that are really changing. Imagine them trying to block off the streets in, in the United States or even our town for a motorsports event. Right. Not, 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 not it will never happen. Unless it's the wharf to wharf. It oh, will the, never happen. <laughs> oh, the Iron Man that I was stuck in the other day. <laughs> right, right. So perceptions about risk-taking mm. and risk-takers have really taken a drastic turn. And when I go to events like this, it's becoming more and more... This might be the last? ...to enjoy the moment. Right. Not get ahead of yourself. Are you planning for next year? Uh, I would like nothing more than to try again next year. Every time I go, not everything has fallen into place. And that's how motorsports goes. Mm -hmm. So it's like to go back and to keep trying as long as you're fit and continue racing here domestically and are honest with yourself about 
whether or not you can do the event, I always want to go back and try and make all the pieces of the puzzle land to make that result that I think I'm capable of. Love it. Your history, your, your race this year, is able, are you able to qualify? Does it does that help you qualify for next year? Or do you have to race here in the States in order to qualify for, next, for Isle of Man next year? So, so there's tiers of... Um, things you have to accomplish in order to keep your licenses current. You always have to race within the year you're applying. You have to be current. But entering at the Isle of Man, nothing is given to you. So you apply just like mm. everyone else, and you hope that the organizers um, make an educated decision and grant you that entry. Right. Um, and it's a privilege. It really is because they're paring down the numbers of people that can actually come and compete. And with those numbers getting lower, it's always going to be a great honor to be accepted to even begin that voyage. Because as an American... I mean, I was going to say, how many Americans are there? So this year, there was a good amount. There was um, Pete Murray from Arizona. Adam Bauer from Minnesota, Stuart Clotworthy, who um, is a, a local racer here in California but lives in Nevada, and a, a guy that I haven't raced against. He's from back east. His name was Rick Kay. He did excellent. All the guys did phenomenal. So we're talking five Americans? It was five Americans this year, and it can vary from year to year. One right. American, five. In 2014, there was a gaggle. There was like nine guys. Well, go, go for it. No, I was going to say, of those five Americans, do they all have the same struggles to get bikes and make it to qualifying? Everyone, everyone works their tails off to get there. There's no doubt about it. It's just whether or not what kind of level of support your um, your circle has. A lot of guys have great financial support. They have a team structure around them that want to see them succeed. Right. Um, I just don't have that. Do you have a, a? Are there YouTube videos of your races? Do you have GoPros on the on the bike? I did. A, I did a GoPro in 2015. There is a race from my newcomers race there on the Supermoto. It's there on YouTube. Yeah. And yeah. if you do Isle of Man's, you Yuri Barrigan stuff. Yeah. It, well. It, yeah. It, it, and uh, social media? Are you on social media? I am on social media. I don't go overboard with that. Um, a lot of people say, well, you know, that's kind of a promotional strategy. You need to bring people in to help you. And I just, I can't give a lot of energy to that because I have work. What? Right. You see, one of my so. favorite memories of COVID, yeah. right, when you and I shut down, right? We mm -hmm. did we two weeks. And I had a show with him. I, had a sh I think we had a show with him, or I forget, but. I go, Yuri, you want to do the show? Like he's like, ah, fucking, why not? <laughs> I go, I gave him my address. He lives right around the corner from my house. Yeah. And he rolls up in a pristine, pristine Norton Commando. Oh, you were talking about yeah. that bike, 750? yeah? Seven fifty. The six fifty. No, seven fifty. Okay. Norton Commando. Beautiful. 1971. Yeah. How many yeah. motorcycles do you own? Right now, I only have, I think, eight. <laughs> well, that's like you're like a surfer. Yeah, you yeah, it's have like a quiver. right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And all the whole the whole gamut. If I you have all of them. Before I found motorcycles, I was at the beat. I was out in the waves every single day. Yeah, so you had a quiver every of surfboards. So you got a quiver of motorcycles. I traded the ocean for, for, motorcycle. for motorcycles. I really did. Who did that? 
somebody influenced you to become, you know, someone who loves motorcycles, right, in your life. Is there somebody? Yeah. So leading up to 1986, all the motorcycles looked 70s. If you remember them, they had no plastic on them. Right, yeah, they still steel tanks. They all looked the same, mm -hmm. sort of. that like a Honda 750, yeah. Exactly, yeah. KZ yeah, 1000. Right, the 1000, yeah. They all looked the same. That was a badass bike, In 1986, though. Honda came out with something called a VFR Interceptor 500. Oh, it had, 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 had plastic on it. It had a little bit of plastic yeah. on it. Yeah. So it started to look a little futuristic, and Santa Cruz was a very sleepy town. There was no money here. So you didn't see, we were like five years behind vehicles-wise. Everything was... In fashion. Everything was dilapidated. Everything was um, old. Then in 1986, Suzuki came out with something called a GSXR 750. Mm. It had full plastic on it. Right then, when we would do that monthly trip to San Jose for whatever reason, I saw one over there where there was a little bit of money and people had means. Then... In 1988, our racetrack, Laguna Seca, world famous Laguna Seca, it had only had motor, mm. motor car racing there since the late 50s. FCCA that's track. That's all there was, was cars mm -hmm. there. My dad woke me up on a Saturday morning at like four in the morning. He says, get up, <laughs> we're going to Laguna Seca. I didn't know anything about Laguna Seca. I just <laughs> knew it was a car track. I said, you know, what are we doing? What are we doing? And he's like, just get in the car. We drove down a 1969 Volkswagen van, mm -hmm. me, my brother, and my dad. We drive in, thick fog, can't see anything there. We see the sign, and it says USGP. We're like, what's USGP? My dad's like, it's motorcycle racing this weekend. Wow. The Grand Prix are here. The World Grand Prix mm -hmm. came there for the first time in Ever, like 30 right? years. Ever, right? Yeah. The last 30 years. So the fog clears. The 125 two-strokes come over the corkscrew. And there's like 60 of them. <laughs> Smoke, sound. It just blew my mind. Then the 250s came over the hill in the next practice. Blew my mind. Then sidecars came over the hill. No, wow. Really? Then late in the morning, the 500s come over the hill. And they're like wheeling. And the color was fluorescent days in 1988. Yeah. Everything was fluorescent colored. Blew my mind. So we went back on Sunday to watch the main race in Santa Cruz or in California at 15 and a half. You could have a motorcycle permit before you had your car permit. I saved Which up. Which is crazy. So that happened in April of 1988. My birthday was in <laughs> August. I saved up the money. And we had a shop here called All American Honda over here on. Oh yeah, uh, on the furniture road. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, bought, yeah. A, I bought oh. my, my Honda from them. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, yeah. I bought a bunch of yeah. stuff from those guys. Yeah. yeah. So I saved up my money. In August, I turned 15. I wasn't 15 and a half. I got my mom to go down and co-sign for me, and I didn't even ride the bike home. We had a friend bring his truck, and we loaded it up, and uh -huh. we put it uh -huh. in the backyard. What bike was that? It was called a Honda NX 250. Oh, it was like a, almost like it a was, moped it thing. It was the Weird. first supermoto right. from a company. Yeah. So Honda tried their stab. It looked like a bank robber bike. It was a weird bike. My neighbor bought one. Yeah. I remember that bike. Yeah. yeah. So that sat, and I daydreamed for another <laughs> five months. You must have killed yourself. On the day I was 15 and a half, mm -hmm. I had an appointment at the DMV, and I went and did my motorcycle test, and I passed it. From that day on, where I lived was right at the bottom of Highway 9. Yeah. 
I was gone. Yeah. Neil, Every Neil, <laughs> no surprises that Yuri's no. doing what he's doing today. <laughs> no, it, it, no, it, it, no, I mean, seriously. Yeah. What you do today, yeah. let's just back it up and talk about when you're 15. Right. I mean, the passion was there when you were 15. Oh, that was, was all I yeah. wanted to do. I, I, it, it, I always say that it was, um, it was my destruction because nothing else mattered. It ruined my life. Motorcycles ruined my life because <laughs> I was so into it. You're married. I am married, yes. Does your wife, like, hey, go hit 160 on a narrow country road, husband? She's, she's. She's cool with that? She's, ask, she asked me to be safe and careful, but I've been doing it so long, and my survival strategy, a lot of guys that transition into road racing on the closed course, they no longer have an urge to go on the street. I still ride on the street. I t I've toned it down, and I'm, I'm very careful at what I do but for whatever reason that's why I've survived because of those strategies mm -hmm. so I still enjoy it to she's this in day. the back of your mind when you're on the course or no um no yeah it's, you're it's like a, it's, <laughs> a, it's a full focus thing right. and again I want to say how often do you lift a front wheel on an Isle of Man like how how often do you think maybe you're on one wheel during that race you know <clears throat> Usually, the lifting of the front wheel is just a byproduct. It's not something that's planned out. So where the road undulates or drops away, because the front end gets light through those areas, it naturally comes up. But there's always people that like to showboat on the right, course right. and have control of their motorcycle enough to where they can bring it up at will. I always try and keep everything on the ground. On the ground. I wasn't well, you steer with that front wheel, so it's kind be, of important. Yeah, you yeah. Know? I used to be a wheelie guy, but ever since I started road racing, um, I've really concentrated on it just being a byproduct yeah. in yeah. the moment. Yeah, yeah. Racing is about momentum, right? Right. And so you obviously got to keep traction and control. Yeah. So it makes sense. Right. Um, Neil, I think he's now under the he's now under the umbrella. <coughs> he doesn't know this yet, but today. He's now on the boardroom racing. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's you on a team. Get, well, you better get some stickers ready for, yeah, next, I know, right? for next year's race. Mm -hmm. And uh, and earlier we were saying, um, you're how old are you now? I'm 50. I turned 50 this year. So he's 50. He hit that seasoned. Oh yeah, the, the season, seasoned. Yeah. Mark. He's seasoned. Yeah. Yeah. He's seasoned. yeah. Should we ask him? Go ahead. Let's get. You've been in Santa Cruz how long? 50 years? 50 years. Okay. Uh, yeah. You've hit that season. You're a season. For us, you're seasoned. Yeah, you're yeah. seasoned now. Has a little so we can ask you this. Gray, got a little gray going on. Right, right. Your favorite decade in Santa Cruz and why? Oh, there's, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. It was the 80s. Yeah. I mean, we're in a, we're in a surf skate shop, and that culture was in its heyday in Santa Cruz, 79 through 89. I mean, from 79 when the skate park closed here down in SoCal mm -hmm. to 89 when we had the earthquake. Give you more right. stickers for him? Yeah, we'll yeah. get more stickers, yeah. yeah. Well, and that's a great answer, and that's probably our, uh, that is maybe the most common. Yeah. And then 70s. Yeah. And then some real seasoned guys say 60s, but People I'm say with now you. Too, the you know. 80s in Santa Cruz, but if you were lucky enough to be here. Yeah. Oh, during the '80s, so it's so much culture, so much culture came out of the '80s in Santa Cruz. I mean, that's where it grew, and we all know that some of the young people nowadays 
wanted so bad to be part of that mm. and are trying to recreate it and it's just not authentic. You yeah. know what I mean? Right, I get it, yeah. I mean, she, that she, was yeah. punk then. I'm gonna mention mm -hmm. that, I might say this, but we've had many athletes come on the show. Mm. Yes, many, we're, many we're almost and 675 I, shows. And I got, you're top two, you're top, he's definitely top two. One being, a first or second being, can be can be an alternate, was Kim Rutherford. Mm. And Kim swam the Monterey Bay backwards from Monterey to Santa Cruz against the current. Incredible. Well, yeah. a amazing Incredible. athletic feat for, oh a, for a woman to do. That's and crazy. And you, Yuri, I mean, you, you've, what you've accomplished, all you go through to get to the Isle of Man and competing in the Isle of Man, coming back, and... Uh, well, uh, what, just what unbelievable. I mean, I just uh, in awe of what you do. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. I think you're a stuntman, <laughs> honestly. I mean, I, I mean, uh, you you could be a stuntman because what oh. you do oh, for me, for fun. Me, I'm I'm working on getting into that line of business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, well, because yeah. when you can do what you do, um, dreaming and recreationally, what you do is what people pay money to watch you know what i mean like what you can do on a motorcycle is stuntman stuff oh and that, that ability it to me is a stuntman you would and not believe how i'm trying to hustle that gig you should <laughs> you should and also too for the people who are watching santa cruz is such an amazing town it is and we are such a um a, a little bleep on the world but our talent and the people and the passions oh. here are world apart yeah, yeah. and Absolutely. you are you are what makes this town great there are so many talented people in santa cruz from artists to athletes to um scientists right to yeah. inventors i mean the Everything. depth that came out of this town is just incredible right i'm Absolutely. proud to share with our viewers that we have a stuntman <laughs> <laughs> you're you're TC, badass i gotta and finish seriously, i gotta, I gotta yeah. finish this off with TC, did I get you a good guest? Yeah, you did. <laughs> Surprise <laughs> guest tonight. Yeah, uh, it was no, a secret. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan because what you do is um is amazing. Um, I I mean I do a little racing, but I have a roll cage and I'm strapped in. You're not. Right. And and what you do is just uh, beyond what I do, and I'm I'm proud to even know that you represent Santa Cruz on this worldwide stage of motorcycle madness. And I don't know very many of our viewers know you exist. Right. And, right. and support Santa Cruz right. on this worldwide stage. Yeah. So congrats to that. Thank and, you. Um, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for representing us. Thank you. Seriously. Thank you, guys. I and, appreciate uh, and, and, and bringing this amazing, this Angusta yeah. is amazing. Yeah. And what you do is amazing. Yeah. Neil. For, and, the, for and the millions of people that are watching yes. us right now. Millions. I mean, thank you. Thank you for Seriously. this opportunity to, to speak to people and maybe even get them to go on the internet and look up the Isle of Man or the motorcycle racing that happens on the Isle of Man and think about just visiting. Right. You know, um, there's great events there. There's things for families that don't like motorsports. There's there's kayaking, there's biking, there's running, there's hiking. It's a great place to visit. We do normally fly to like London and then fly out there. There's, Is that how you there's go? Several ways you can do it through London, through Dublin in Ireland. Gotcha, okay. Um, you can go through Scotland, Glasgow. Huh. Um, there's many ways to make it to the Isle of Man, and I, I, I would encourage... None of them easy. None of them easy, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's work. It's, wor it's work to get there, but put it on your radar. 
if there's anyone out there that wants to travel to a place that's not common and unspoiled, mm-hmm. it's still a place that you can really. Well. Wow. And it's such so nice people. Uh, tonight? Oh, Cooper. Cooper. Well, Cooper rides. Cooper rides a Triumph. So, oh. yeah, Cooper's a motorcycle. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. He was a maze. Right. Yeah, that nice. was Cooper. So. Nice. Um, Cooper? and I think yeah, that's what you have is that. I feel like you're a leader of the dreamers. Like you, when you, how old were you when you first decided to go to Laguna Seca and that day changed your life? Uh, I hadn't been, I hadn't turned 15 yet. Okay. So it was my 14th year of life. And right. then on that eighth month of that 1988, I turned 15. Okay. So for any 15 year old, if you see it and right. you dream it, right. you can do it, right? I would is that the message? I would say that to anyone is that don't listen to anything other than your heart. And no matter how much someone tells you that you can't do something, Always stay true to that inner voice because it's a cliche to say follow your dream, but it's also super possible to do that if you keep a strong mindset and you believe that the path you want to take is right for you. It's not always right for anyone, for everyone, but that's the main thing. Don't ever let someone tell you that you can't do something and make an effort to surround yourself with people that are um, supportive of whatever it is that you want to do in life, hmm. whether that's science or whatever. How's it feel to go 160 miles an hour on a motorcycle? Is that crazy? Is it, I mean, like when you do that, is it normal for you? It's, it's windy. It's windy. Yeah. 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 I bet. <laughs> I mean, if you had your helmet off, your cheeks would be flapping, right? Just, just, yeah. just like a dog out the window. Wow. That's insane. <laughs> Neil, tonight we had somebody who goes 160 miles on a motorcycle an next, hour. And next week we have John Hudson, who's been, how fast did he go to uh, skateboard? He went, uh, he went high 50s world record holder. John Hudson, next week, Hall of Fame skateboarder. Uh, world record breaker. It's going to be a great show. Um, and uh, what number will that be, Neil? Again, uh, T Fox, Santa Cruz Waves. Thanks for having us, um, Yuri. What's your uh, if, uh, if somebody wants to watch you at Isle of Man's? What's a good spot? YouTube. Um, you can reach me on Facebook. Uh, there's a lot of videos up there. Uh, Instagram, all my name um, with the proper spelling, and on YouTube, it's uh, Yuri Red Star. Yuri Red Star. Yeah, on that's YouTube. that's where the videos are. And yeah. you can watch you because I think that yeah. if you watch tonight and you're curious. Head over to YouTube, type in Yuri, Y-U-R-I. Y-U-R-I, R-E-D-S-T-A-R. Perfect. Neil, next week, John Hudson. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.